This week, in the parish of bourses and market structure, Nasdaq outperforms six thirty-six months to a deal. Nicey Reddit, anybody? And a GPW management shake-up, as expected, if you are reading Exchange Invest. My name is Patrick L. Young. Welcome to the Bourse Business Weekly Digest, episode 231. Good day, ladies and gentlemen. This is the very brief reduction of highlights amongst the key headlines from the weekend market structure. All the analysis of the many events and happenings from the past seven days can be found in Exchange Invest's daily subscriber newsletter, the unique guide to the bourse business sent daily to your inbox. More details at exchangeinvest.com. In BitCarnage this week, it was a case of death but no transfiguration as FTX is close to, remarkably, a full repayment of creditors. But the FTX exchange, as Exchange Invest BitCarnage has always argued, is absolutely dead. For those who wonder why they subscribe to Exchange Invest or BitCarnage, we prove our worth once again, having made it clear from the very earliest talk of a resurrection that FTX v2.0 was not a viable entity. It was always a pipe dream, and I suppose the liquidator can now say their conscience is clear, as no investor would come forward. However, this process was always a massive hot air, waste of time with navel-gazing idiocy, believing there was a way to bring back a platform which had not merely broken the trust of its user base, but in fact amounted to essentially a sleazy casino betting against its perceived mug punters, aka anything but a sound exchange model. Elsewhere in BitCarnage, the OpenX debt claims platform run by the jailbird Su Xu and his three AC co-founders has closed down, or at least it will close down by St. Valentine's Day. Not before time, some may argue. Meanwhile, Binance is struggling with redemption as regulators, such as in the UK, prove uncomfortable with a convicted criminal enterprise. This week in BitCarnage, we also discussed the ongoing institutional failure of crypto and even DLT. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen testified to Congress concerns about the crypto economy and specifically stablecoins this week, for instance. Then the first US bank to let customers keep cryptocurrency in checking accounts exited crypto. The fabulously named, if not perhaps entirely balance sheet representative, Vast Bank has distributed itself back to fiat-only mode. This reminds me of the excellent Chris Edmonds of ICE's article from last year, The Failed Promise of Unregulated Crypto, which I still find true with the exception of some pockets within banks where folks are employed to do crypto or DLT and hence are religious zealots for its promotion or talking their own book. Distribute your interpretation as you will. The good folks of GARP, the Global Association of Risk Professionals, publish many excellent pieces, and with is institutional-grade blockchain ready for its great leap forward, they raise questions to which the answer appears to be a rather resounding, no, not really. 
If you enjoyed this excerpt, you may be interested to know that you can read BitCarnage every day on Exchange Invest. Alternatively, if you want to follow BitCarnage, the daily update and happenings in the world of crypto and digital assets, you can find BitCarnage as a standalone on Substack. A wondrous event this week where I was honoured to be the opening keynote speaker was the 26th Association of Futures Markets Annual Conference in Bangkok, Thailand, hosted by TFEX, the Thai Futures Exchange, a subsidiary of SET, the Stock Exchange of Thailand. The Thai exchanges proved magnificent hosts for what was a magnificent opportunity to talk about emerging markets exchanges. Meanwhile, lots of bearishness in London, and let's just leave it at that. Endless bearishness, everybody concerned, and as we'll see later in Career Path, even the COO has left the London Stock Exchange coop. Slightly more optimistic news from Johannesburg. The JSE has launched an initiative to help South Africans get their 4.5 billion South African rand in unclaimed dividends. Then there was a rush of IPO optimism during the course of the week. Nicey had been optimistic last week, Nasdaq the week before. ASX reckons it will have a better second half. Moscow is looking at over 20 IPOs in 2024. And Bursa Malaysia thinks 42 is a realistic target. 42, the ultimate answer to life, the universe, and not merely everything, but happy bourses too, it seems. It was an incredibly busy week for results in the parish. All the details were in Exchange Invest Daily, the newsletter no person can afford to be without in capital markets and market structure. For the sake of this podcast, let's look at some edited highlights. There were terrific results this week from NASDAQ, MSCI, Market Access and Bursa Malaysia, with DFM in Dubai up a staggering 124% and the privately held Euroclear net profit was a whisker under a billion euros for the year, plus 63%. The fabulous quarter for Nasdaq raises the key question, when will investors re-rate the company's stock price after a fundamentally precipitate downgrade following the acquisition of Adenza last year? At least post-results, the stock moved above the level it was trading when Adenza was acquired, but there is still a fundamental case for considerably more upside for the Nasdaq group. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly. We welcome your feedback. You can contact me directly, patrick at derivativesvision.com with any comments. Meanwhile, if you enjoyed this show, we would welcome you giving us a thumbs up. Or if you have time, a positive review will always be welcome wherever you find this podcast. In new markets this week, competition is afoot in Nairobi, Kenya for the fixed income market with the East African Bond Exchange licensed to take on the incumbent stock and bond exchange, the Nairobi Stock Exchange. In deals, not a terribly busy week, but two fascinating transactions. Well, one, not even a transaction yet, but nonetheless, there's several interesting strands to the Bloomberg headlines. Swiss Bourse CEO eyes sizable acquisition in the next three years. For one, it's a clear move by Joss Disselhoff, the CEO of Swiss Exchange, to stomp on speculation he might not be around in office in the short to medium term. By the way, I have no opinion on this whatsoever. It's just rumours we keep hearing from different sources. At the same time, the process of managing the Swiss Exchange shareholder base is a tricky diplomatic act particularly given the previous consensus balance between the smaller banks and the UBS Credit Suisse duopoly. 
which has been, through no fault of six, undermined or at least destabilised by the UBS acquisition of Credit Suisse. Hence, this messaging is arguably as much for the broad church of six shareholders as it is signalling intent to the wider world. Watch this space within 36 months. The one deal that has been announced this week, a non-renounceable issue, in other words, non-transferable rights on a one-for-two basis. Five million Australian dollars in fundraising is being sought by the NSX. That's the National Stock Exchange of Australia, one of many competitors to the ASX monopoly. If you want to understand where the world of monopoly stock exchanges versus competitive stock exchanges is and is going in the future, you ought to consider my latest book, Victory or Death, Blockchain Cryptocurrency in the Fintech World, which will help you understand how technology is affecting life and markets. Victory or Death is published by DV Books and is distributed by Ingram Worldwide. While you're waiting for your copy of Victory or Death to arrive, check out our live stream Tuesdays 5 o'clock London, 12 o'clock midday New York time. It's the IPO video live show. Catch the back episodes on LinkedIn and YouTube via IPO-vid. Our most recent episode was a cracking show from the floor to the future with Brad Schaefer talking all about many different developments in and around the wonderful world of pit trading and now electronic markets. Our next show is going to be all about clearing. We're going to be talking to Rafael Plata, the boss of each, the European Association of Clearing Houses, a great central counterparty show. Join us on Tuesday, 5 o'clock London, midday New York time, 6 p.m. Central European time, IPO-Fed on Facebook, LinkedIn and YouTube. Our finance book of the week this week was written by Carmen Reinhardt and Kenneth Rogoff. This time is different. It was a breakthrough study exposing centuries of financial missteps. A comprehensive look at the varieties of financial crises covering through eight astonishing centuries, government defaults, banking panics and inflationary spikes. Our next book of the week will be unveiled on Saturday in the EI Weekend edition, which is our more macro read for the weekend. You can get that free if you want to sign up at exchangeinvest.com. And don't forget, if you want all the inside track on the exchange of information, the parish of bourses, marketplaces, exchanges, and market infrastructure, then you can also subscribe to Exchange Invest via exchangeinvest.com for $375 per annum. Product news this week. Reddit has apparently, according to Bloomberg, picked the New York Stock Exchange for its IPO. That's a big win for NYSE on an IPO, first mooted at $15 billion market cap in 2021. However, Reddit management themselves may find their IPO in the crosshairs of angry keyboard warriors. As indeed, there's already been somewhat of a pushback in various chat rooms on Reddit itself. Risk, they reported, a possible shock EU expansion of clearing mandates, which may hook more funds into clearing within the Eurozone area. Risk reckons there's a compromise text rattling around the Europarliament, which tries to further isolate the Eurozone through protectionism. I mean, induce more clearing into the continent of Europe, making MAR 3.0 alterations that could even include exchange-traded derivatives under mandatory clearing. In other words, forced expansion to make the euro less fungible. In technology news this week, rather shaking vendor news, 
We wondered was ION struggling with its bond leverage model after year's hacks at the end of last week as they delayed their $1.8 billion leveraged loan sale. Then they actually pulled the $1.7 billion leveraged loan repricing. They've still got a $120 million deal that apparently they got away. That's apparently to pay dividends to shareholders. But anyway, the major $1.7 billion chunk must be viewed as somewhat of a humiliation in the open market for the bond-savvy Andrea Pignataro and his fintech vendor Empire. Again, perhaps following last year's a hack mess, as we discussed previously in Exchange Invest, his offer was first pulled as a result of investor apathy and then cancelled as ION sought to reduce their coupon on $1.7 billion of their $3 billion in debt. It's certainly not the beginning of the end of ION, but it is a wake-up call. Regulation news this week. The SEC have set new SPAC rules. They're seeking to limit rosy projections. Now there's a thing. At the same time, Politico refers to the minefield Wall Street challenging Gary Gensler's SEC in court. Where the Gensler SEC has failed is in explaining or bringing widespread backing for what amounted to a fundamental expansion, if not perversion, of the original simple mandate for the SEC. The expansion into activism such as greenery is the apotheosis of control freak interventionism masquerading as government by what might be described as the educated stupid class in the modern world. Vastly expanding regulatory fate doesn't make a better world, nor does it achieve the key aims those control freaks like Gary Gensler seek. There are key messages which need to be pushed back for being overly prescriptive and beyond the remit of the agency. The problem is those overzealous policies of Chairman Gigi can be used to push back on the areas where he needs and has sought to coherently enforce, particularly in the ethically dubious, criminally rampant arena of crypto and ill-titled digital assets. Career news this week, well, quite a shock turnaround at Eurex. The new CEO of Eurex Frankfurt, succeeding the retiring Michael Peters, will be Robert Bowie, a Dutchman no less, at the heart of the German futures market. That's interesting as it comes, of course, in the same year as DB1 ought to be naming a new group CEO as well. Over at S&P Global, they've appointed Christopher Craig as interim chief financial officer, and there's been a reshuffle within the LME Clearinghouse that follows a reshuffling of the board just recently. LME Clear's new operations chief is Chris Jones, who was previously LME Group's chief risk officer, while Matt Wade steps up from head of clearing risk to become chief risk officer. His replacement as head of clearing risk is Paul Kirkwood, formerly the head of market risk with the firm. One of the reasons why people subscribe to Exchange Invest is, of course, because they want to be ahead of the news and are incisive analysis. One thing we could tell you absolutely clearly when the government of Poland changed a few months back was that the CEO of the Warsaw Stock Exchange and the board would be replaced. Hey presto, slightly faster than expected, it came only days after the big oil energy monopoly Orlan saw their CEO replaced. The Warsaw Stock Exchange has a new CEO Tomasz Barzilowski, who was previously MD at Polish finance house Ipopima Securities. He's replacing Marek Dietl, who has managed to survive a remarkable seven years, or almost seven years in situ, since 2017. On the board of the 
Warsaw Stock Exchange. The most interesting and most welcome appointment on the new board slate is Ivona Sroka, who requires no introduction to the parish, having served as KDPW CEO, the fully state-owned CSD, from 2009 to 2017, and indeed formerly used to be Director of Marketing Communication and Advisor to the Management Board to the GPW itself from 2000 to 2009, prior to moving to KDPW. And then there was the even bigger shock news of the week. Finally, in career paths, we had the LSEG's chief operating officer leaving for an insurance broker. A remarkable move, LSEG COO David Shalders is leaving Paternoster Square for a new role in the insurance industry. Some might infer it's almost as if even in the C-suite, confidence in the refinitive Hail Mary of LSEG and the ODD CEO's abilities are low. Last weekend, I flew from Bangkok to Miami, returning from the AFM conference. Once again, the AFM conference was magnificent, and we wish the retiring president, Paul Constantino, a very happy retirement, and congratulate Chris Sturgis on becoming the new president of the organization alongside Chairman Pat Kenny. Anyway, I had my own variation on the theme of Groundhog Day, 25 hours of flight curving within the Earth's time zones. When I arrived, somewhat jet-lagged, the US media headlines last weekend were dominated by excitement about Taylor Swift heading straight from a Tokyo conference to Las Vegas for the Super Bowl on, as I record this, coming Sunday. Frankly, I'm aghast. It simply seems there's no end to the Taylor Swift pool of talent. Even after breaking records with a fourth Best Album Emmy this week, I appreciate La Swift is a tall woman, but I hadn't even realised she could play football, let alone make her pro debut at the American Football Finals. There was me not appreciating when she sang I could build a castle out of all the bricks they threw at me. Tay-Tay must have been referring to the hard graft of gridiron training. What an amazing woman. Presumably the next step is Barbie playing the World Series pitching in heels. And on that mysterious and magnificent note, thank you for listening to this Exchange Invest Weekly Podcast 231. Join us daily via exchangeinvest.com for the Bulletin of the Bourse business, the water cooler of the exchange industry itself. Or if you have a new exchange or marketplace you'd like built, well, get in touch. My name is Patrick L. Young, and I wish you all a great week in life and markets. This show relates to the business of bourses. It is not to be construed as investment advice, nor are we making any investment recommendations. Please consult an investment advisor before you make any investments, and for goodness sake, do your due diligence and do not make investments without complying with the regulations in your home state. Exchange Invest cannot be held responsible for any investment decisions made as a result of our program, which is for entertainment purposes only. The material herein is copyright Patrick L. Young at the date of publication, while our music and sound effects are sourced from copyright-free sources. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly, the exchange of information.